Ladies and gentlemen, it is 1 in the afternoon, so it means it's the F-World on CIVL 101.7 FM, also 92.3 FM in Chilliwack, and we have a special episode because we finally have a new race winner! No need to ask, he's a smooth operator. That's right! Carry on! Not only that... <laughs> that of course is Carlos. That. that is of course Carlos Sainz winning the Singapore Grand Prix yesterday morning uh, for us. Early, early morning for us. He uh, ended the streak, Red Bull, Red Bull, the Red Bull Racing winning streak with a. I, I must say, I think the highlight of the, of the day for me. What an yeah. what an incredible weekend he had of just putting that in that car into paces and strategy strategy call upon strategy calls what a move what a move Marianne. the the ending was definitely a very smart strategy for him yeah like that's that's where you saw a lot of the intellect come up yeah well even i wonder how much he was trying to do that at the beginning with uh charles because he was charles was saying he was slowing down instead of speeding up and Charles just kept slowing, and then Ferrari kept saying, oh, slow down too then. So I wonder how much of that was Carlos also saying, yo, tell him to speed up so he gets the DRS to play. I think it was a long con. I, I'll, I'll give... Might have been. Yeah, Might I'm going to give uh, Carlos Sainz the benefit that that was a strategy, a long con strategy for him. Um, I saw a meme that was just the Ferrari strategy, and it was all just Carlos Sainz's face. <laughs> on the pit wall and couldn't couldn't agree more with that yeah, yeah. no that that was uh that was quite the highlight for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh walter foreman who could not be with us today he texted in his highlights which was number one george going for the gap in singapore as in uh the crash that at the very end that is such a meme that and is, it's so mean it's so mean but you know what you, it, that's the racing right you had he it, had to do it, it is it is but it's heartbreaking because up until that point he was doing so well yeah and not not saying that he's not typically doing well you know he's definitely one of those like i i feel like he's one of the better drivers on the grid mm-hmm. right not the best but one of the better ones and it it's like this is the closest he's come to first place this entire season and you know how much he wants it yeah he had a strategy um and it was just uh, hit the wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The question is though, and and like this is the question that um, Reese uh, was uh, asked during well, when we, him and I when I rewatched it with him, uh, it was if there, there was a point where Lewis was having caught up and was within like a tenth to two tenths from George, and so the question Reese had was if they had switched drivers and let George slingshot Lewis into fourth place could he have gotten um well sorry third um third to get like uh charles was going down that point where they were all running j- just vying for each for that one place yeah could you have slingshotted lewis there was a couple times you probably could have put him in and could lewis have gotten the pace to get to p1 or p2 and that might be why lewis has that had that little like distinct like ugh. but I, I think that i don't know because it feels like any of the places where they could have done the slingshot was close to a drs zone and then you have the drs train that starts 
Yeah. Right. So Lando probably could have defended against that. And I think that was the whole point for science slowing down, right? Was mm-hmm. to give the DRS to Lando, not enough for him to surpass him, but just enough to defend from the other two. Yeah. So yeah. I don't I don't know if it would have made a difference. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it would have definitely put some pressure on. I don't I don't know, but oh, I the think pressure that, was on. Yeah. Oh, put more on. I think I think <laughs> that they're I think I don't know. Who knows what would have happened, but that was that the last 10 laps or really from lap 40 like li- I remember you were te- you were watching it later than I was and you yes. texted me I'm on lap 45 and as soon as you said that I was like oh and you're like, I'm I'm bored I'm watch I'm on lap 45 and I was like one more lap that's all, I, that's all yeah you need. no it it picked up and I'm I'm glad that you know it did because I was I was getting bored um my partner was already asleep by that point so Fernando had crashed out um, <laughs> No, not yet. Oh, okay. Not okay, yet. Okay. Um, he was he was on the downfall, but um, it was just it was very stagnant. A lot of the race was just kind of everyone keeping their position. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a really tough track to to overtake a lot. It is. It is, and and because of that, it was kind of like okay, okay, this yeah. is there wasn't there wasn't anything to to catch our eyes. I think, um, but yeah, no, the the last like twenty laps were something else for sure oh yeah it was it was pretty great what what were so we got do you just have the same highlights as uh, no okay. no liam lawson for me liam, thank you liam it's thank it's you. not a race highlight it's a quality highlight but <laughs> it's just, the, i i give just pegging max down to 10 to like to 11 yeah i give just, oh it was I, so sweet I, I gave Liam Lawson, I think as other than Carlos, I think Liam, Liam Lawson had one of the best weekends you could have for a rookie driver. Well, not, not, um, just, not just a rookie driver, but the fact that this entire season, Alpha Tauri has not had a higher position than P10. Yeah. Except for... Mm. No, no, they haven't. No, Yuki almost had it a couple of times, almost. but then but then had it. But he's, he's got three stuff. points and they were all one point. Yeah, 10 places. Sh- yeah. Yeah. So within three races, he's he's shown so much potential. Yeah, told you. I I I've been saying from the beginning of this this show and this season, Liam Lawson will be riot in that AlphaTauri seat. Uh, seat. I'm, I'm just happy. I'm I'm finally on the show being proven right. Now here's the thing: <laughs> is who do you want him to replace, Danny Rick or Tsunoda? Danny Rick, any day of the week, any day of the week. <laughs> Like that's not even a question. That's that's I I would even argue that Liam depend like depending on what happens, um, he if if he if he continues to have a good performance, he could probably get that second seat from Paris in twenty five if he like continues to show the progression that he's showing. Um, Walter, good, he just texted in as well, so that just shows you you can text us and email us on the f at the fworld.pod at gmail.com and the fworld.pod at on Instagram. You can message us and use the Discord too. Find the links to our social bios. But uh, Walter just reminded me, AlphaTauri also had huge, huge upgrades, like a complete upgrade package at that race. Good point. So yes, huge upgrades that looked like that made it look, act more like the RB RB18, RB19 is what I also, also also read. But on top of that, an upgraded car. On top of that, a driver that was showing that he could use that car to his potential. Liam Lawson. That's all I can say. 
and also the fact that he um, he said that he he said in an interview that he used to play the Singapore race on the simulator all the time. And he's always then his other championships don't race in Singapore. Yeah. So F F three F two Super GT does Super Formula all that don't f- race in Singapore. So he's always wanted to do it. So he paid for his entire family to come out to the race. Oh, that's amazing. Because that's his dad's favorite race. So he, yeah. So that's, I thought that was really sweet. That's actually really sweet. Yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, we're definitely going to have to talk about this later in the day, but the double stacks. Double stacks this time around, but that safety car and Mercedes pulling off. Like, I think they did pull two double stacks. Yeah. And that's crazy. That's crazy. Is it? <laughs> well, to, to pull two double stacks off in, in a race at once, I'd say so. I don't know is, if that's happened a lot of Is it the strangest tra- strategy calls we've seen this year? No, 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 no. I don't think those like the strangest strategy calls will always be Ferrari strategy calls. But the double stack, especially at that 10 with like 10 ish laps to go, 14 laps to go, I think it was to pull a double stack off and have that. Yeah, it was three seconds each, but that's still like tough (laughs) to do. So no, it is. It is. And it was an interesting call for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm hmm. I don't know. It wasn't of much notice for me. Oh, see, so that was that, that was when they were coming in. I was like, "There's no way they're going to double stack it." I was on I, the edge I of my seat. I was surprised, but I was kind of like, "Okay, I guess I guess this is the vibe we're going with for this race." Yeah, I it's, was. Uh, it's different. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That was. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat for that double stack. I. Yeah, I, I also I will say this. Eve, I, I don't. I haven't gotten one. I've been researching this all day. There has been no Charles Leclerc new song. I've been waiting for it because I thought there would have been one for being the sacrificial pawn uh, of the Ferrari scheme, which turned out I I personally think, like I mentioned before, seemed could have potentially been a little redundant. I don't know how much of that's actually true, but I think there could have been a chance for Charles to at least be P three with how the if think if so. they hadn't if they hadn't told him to slow down. The Mercedes so much. had fresher tires. Yeah, but he also, uh, like, Ferrari told Charles to slow down so much. And this is before the fresher tires, right? Yeah. Slow slow much, slow down so much that it messed up the first pit stop uh, on the safety car. Right, right. So and he had, he almost, like, he did it too perfectly where he got put behind. He slowed um, down too much. He's like, yeah, he slowed down too much. And, and that was the one thing they got. They were saying, oh, gap, increase the gap f- to five seconds. And like, why? What? <laughs> like, because they were trying to defend P one, right? Yeah. So. No, that that was well. Like I said, stranger calls have been made. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely stranger <laughs> and, calls have and been made. And this is this is where. Yeah. Well, and the other the thing that is most interesting is because of that, uh, pretty decent points finish. You know, you think of like Carlos Sainz twenty five, Charles Leclerc gets twelve. Um, Ferrari is now pretty pretty spot on into the into the big three again so charles leclerc con- charles leclerc's contract is null he can't have a reason to leave at the end of the season which was if ferrari didn't finish the big three oh um my. he uh yeah yeah so yeah things to consider yeah no it was it was an interesting race um i know i said earlier that i found it boring but that was that was during the the beginning Mm-hmm. early mid section yeah but the rest of it was quite interesting i was originally scared that um because apparently the last time ferrari had a one two a one three beginning in singapore 
2017? Yeah, but that was the infamous double crash on the first corner. Oh, right. <laughs> with oh, Kimi right. and Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. The Rackenham Vettel. So, oh, that was... Ooh, but I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't too worried for Science and and uh, Charles to to get each other, um, and that was with the Red Bull in the middle there versus I think it was a Verst- I think it was a Verstappen too. That was the triple takeout with uh, Verstappen in 2017. Yeah, this yeah, I think that was I think that was I think it was Max that that Kimi and uh, Vettel took out together the three of them into the first two corners. Um, well, someone out there may- who's maybe? listening, maybe I don't. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Or someone out there in the ether will tell us. In the uh, ether. Out there. Uh, Walt, who's listening right now. Um, where where else where else to go? So let's do this. So Lewis, P3. Uh, I, I did love having Lando there. The bromance of Carlos and Lando being up, up, on, the, up on the podiums was great. Um, I thought it was quite hilarious that literally when they were spraying the champagne, it was Fred, Carlos, and Lando all just jumping and they just see Lewis in the side, like back. It, it was kind of it was kind of a family moment and yeah. it did feel like lewis was like you know the boyfriend that someone brings for the very first time but at a very <laughs> important family event yeah like, so like, like, like a christmas dinner like yeah that. <laughs> yeah and they're kind of like okay we've never heard of you but um yeah. you're there also here's another thing someone pointed out a reddit user pointed out to me on uh, not to me directly but um again another lewis hamilton podium where the entire Mercedes team wasn't there. They weren't there to congratulate him. So that's why he was going to all the Ferrari and McLaren uh, people during the post-race right. stuff. And that's why he was just sitting there and not talking to the people during before oh God, his post-race interview. He really interview. was the outcast yeah. ex-boyfriend. Yeah, it was... Tough. Actually, yeah, no, it's when your ex-boyfriend shows up at the Christmas dinner. <laughs> you didn't invite him to? Oh, my gosh, that's yeah. so mean. No, I've had I've had that happen just because, yeah, like... Well, you have had so many things <laughs> that no one else on the planet should have happened to them, happened to them. I had one that just got along real well with my family. Well, that's the real <laughs> win, right? That's what I want. Not life. really, because he just kept showing up after we <laughs> broke up. <laughs> uh, um, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, going back to racing. Yeah. Going back to racing. Going back to racing. Um... Going back to Cali. Okay. Yeah. Going back to racing. Yeah. So, wh- where where do you want? Okay. So I want to. Okay. So uh, where do we start? So Charles Leclerc P four, um, Max Verstappen P five. Which again, I was I was hoping it didn't happen, but I was hoping he would get not he would have his first race where he did not finish, uh, where he finished but did not finish in the top ten. He is yet to break that. It to, was to looking promising that. for a while. It right? was. I think uh, Lawson was in front of him for P8, P9. And then he shunted him out of the way. Yeah. Then there was a no call again. That was another one that during the race they said no no action necessary. Alpha, Alpha Tari and Red Bull talked it over and they're not going to yeah, investigate, ask for an investigation. I don't know. It's moments like these where it's obvious that they're the same team. Oh, definitely. That's like the whole reason why he didn't get an impeding penalty on Sonoda was because somehow AlphaTauri was told to like not go, yeah, or something. And that's just a a weird, weird. Um, I don't know. I don't like that. I, I, I it rubbed me the wrong way a lot. It's it's icky. It's icky because it's it's putting in question. You know, is there really two drivers per team, or mm-hmm. is there four drivers per team here? Yeah. Right. And that does change the strategy of the game. It does put a lot of, I don't know, I don't want to say ethical questions, but yeah, you know, it's weird. It's weird. And most of the time, I'm pretty good at forgetting that those two are related. 
because most of the time they're racing at different levels, mm-hmm. right? Red Bull's at the front, Alpha Tauri's at the back. But when Red Bull slips into the back or Alpha Tauri slips into the front and they meet somewhere in the middle, it that's when things like for me in my head kind of become very obvious that they are the same team. Yeah. And it's I don't know. It's it's it, I don't know, it just feels kind of weird to me. Yeah. Too. I didn't like it that it's much. It's a little icky. Yeah. Um the next thing, next part of that would be after Max was staffing him Pierre Gasly in P6, which yeah, good race for for kind of a qu- questionable qualifying in time with Alpine, managed to to put it to put in the paces and he is a f- he not officially anymore, not just just officially, but he is only 2 points behind Lance Stroll in the drivers championship, 45 Lance Stroll has 47 and P9 and uh Pierre Ga- however Pierre Gasly has more points than his teammate Esteban Ocon who finished in P where did he finish Yeah he had an unfortunate He DNF'd Yeah he, he had he what was it He had a fa- car failure I think so Gear gearbox that's what gearbox. it was the gearbox shredded Yeah that was that was unfortunate for Ocon Yeah um you could hear it too in the radio He was he was, and he was doing great I think he was in like P6 or P7 He was pretty high up there I don't remember he was he was doing well yeah. He was doing well, and um, it's not as heartbreaking now that you can contrast it with, like, Russell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the same time. But at the same time, it's it's very unfortunate. Yeah, it is. Well, you know what? We are going to take uh, a, a break and come back for some more uh, F1 talk here on Civil Radio. 101.7 FM in Abbotsford and 92.3 FM in Chilliwack and across the Fraser Valley, turns out, because... That 92.3 frequency that's te- that's still technically testing is reaching out into the Fraser Canyon to like Surrey almost. So on a good day. So this is great. So don't turn the dial if you like F1 because, or if you don't like F1, don't turn away because this is some great talks. So yeah, stick around. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Civil Radio 101.7 FM in Abbotsford, 92.3 FM in Chilliwack and across the lower mainland. It is the F world here Ever, as always on Mondays. And Marianne, we have a new guest today calling yes, in. Calling we in. Do. Yes, he is. His name is Gary Kwan. He is the owner and manager, director of Speed Fanatics, uh, who basically keep the mission racing uh, racetrack open and operating. So thank you so much, Gary. Uh, his team has always does really well, very fun on the tracks, have some of the coolest cars to see, have a really amazing Tesla that goes. Uh, I don't know, Lambo there. Oh, uh, do you, I forget, Gary? Do you race the F4 car currently? Uh, yes. So we have uh, a few. Uh, hello, everyone. First of all, yes, <laughs> uh, we have uh, a few uh, uh, Ligier F4 cars uh, uh, being raced around the uh, um, Speed Fanatics Motorsport Circuit uh, at the Mission Raceway Park. And then, uh, yeah, and yesterday I just actually come came back home late last night from the uh, conference weekend. So we had a. Uh, mm a race weekend from uh, Friday practice all the way to Sunday afternoon this past weekend. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it was it was tough because I was in the middle of moving, so I was going back and forth with it. But I, I managed to get out there Sunday, but you were so busy I couldn't get a chance to talk to you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to interrupt, yeah. so I was like, okay, I'll let him go. I'll let him do his thing. But it's great to see so many out there and racing. Um, actually, one, someone in my class, uh, one of my classes here at the University of the Fraser Valley, where we are on, on the location of Stalo Tamuk, the, the sacred land of the Stalo First Nations. He also is part of the racing scene out here in, in the Lower Mainland. So he's seen you around, and I didn't get a chance to see him either, but he was like, oh, it was so busy over the weekend that it was it was great uh, to have. 
Um, but moving on back to F1, Gary, you sent me some uh, some talking points you wanted to, to to chat. We touched on just early enough about the Mercedes, the double stacking, but let's dive into that. You you have so much more experience with that. So, oh my gosh, the double stacks. What can you tell me about the double stacks? Well, double stacking it's it's uh, hit or miss. Let's put it this way. Um, for example, Mercedes did it at the perfect timing yesterday. Um, I, I, I don't think anyone else could have uh, done it better that way. Uh, on the other hand, you know, when Ferrari did it, um, you know, the commentators were saying they're sacrificing Leclerc whatsoever. But, you know, it's, uh, when, when, it, when it comes to time for the double stacking, it's always within seconds that you have to make the call. And, um, you know, Mercedes took the gamble, and I think it, it paid off pretty well. Mm-hmm. And even but you know, if if you're in Ferrari's shoes when you have the leading cars, you don't know if you should be the first one pulling it in and and pulling them in together. Um, and you know what what Leclerc did, he backed the pack up a little bit. Yes, that benefited the lead car, but then when he is the one uh, who, uh, who 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 pitted finally and and had to rejoin in a tight pit lane like that, um, you have to deal with traffic. Um, the hold up and all that stuff, and uh, you know you can never have two cars winning out from a double stacking situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like even to to do, do that, they almost pulled it off. Ferrari, that is, almost pulled it off in my opinion because it really was Lewis coming in, uh, Hamilton coming into the pits, and the safety reasons that held Leclerc back from being released. That extra two to three seconds that um, that Hamilton had to come in, so almost pulled it off themselves. But even then, like heavy risk. So. You in let's say you're in the in that position. How would you call it, or would you call it differently? And like, what goes into making that decision to double stack in that? I know it's a very w- tight window with a safety car coming in, so I'd love to get some insight on that. If if I was in their shoes, I would probably just pit into one car and then uh, do an alternative strategy on the, on the other car, so that um, the team who is competing with us may only get one of our cars and in the worst case and you know that 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 will protect at least one of the the lead cars up there up front mm-hmm. and you would have pitted science because he was the lead no i would i would have pitted uh leclerc first and then mm-hmm. uh would have kept a science position up front oh, okay so why, why that though yeah that's an interesting call is it because like it, the... uh, position is always more important to me if you're already leading, you know, uh, you know that whoever and it was a short, it was a short notice for 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 that uh, safety car, and you have it. Everything depends on on what caused the safety car situation. If it was going to be a a long one or a short one, if it is some something out there that is rather minor and may clear in a lap or two, then yes, maybe the double stacking. But if you foresee two three laps, it, it's not really. In a, in a huge rush to do that, I would I would rather protect the the trap position. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting choice. Yeah, I was wondering if because uh, Charles uh, Leclerc was on the um, soft tires that that would have made a difference too to put him out there. Yeah, to, to, to pull and, him. And out. he's already uh, he's already been running behind signs for uh, uh, quite a while, and that you know dirty air turbulence, um, the uh, overheating of the of the front tires definitely wouldn't help him. So. If I'm to pit one of them first, um, two reasons: and position for science, and then uh, also for Leclerc's benefit, um, it would be the right call to pit him, pit him in first. 
Mm-hmm. No, I we I talked about this just earlier in the episode, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the the last ten laps when uh you know Russ uh the Mercedes team really pushing it against uh, specifically Leclerc and with that and that position. There was a moment there where I thought that oh, well, oh I wondered what would happen if they had if Russell couldn't get the go and just and Lewis had the pace that it looked like he had to slingshot him in there and would you have taken the chance to to swap the drivers around and give and give Hamilton a go or would you say the most important thing was to protect that and and really stand by uh Russell with that chance it it seemed like um having Russell move over for uh Hamilton would be the wiser choice cuz uh, Hamilton definitely looked more racy there at that point mhm okay and he looked like he had more pace i i would have i would have done that because uh First, first thing first is none of them are fighting for the uh, uh, championship right now at this point. So I think uh, either one of them in the team boss role uh, perspective, if either one of them uh, who can present with more pace and more threat to the cars in front can jump the gun and go ahead and, and, and get the job done, I would be happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so we're, well, it's kind of tracks there. Yeah. Oh, Plus, it would have been nice to see Lewis win that win that race, but or if he do, uh, for me at least, I know some people disagree. <laughs> so. I'm not against <laughs> Lewis winning. Yeah. I'm 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 a little sad that Russell crashed out. Yeah, like you just that must yeah. just got you to see that, right? It yeah. it yeah and yeah he definitely he, and 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 Russell was under a lot of pressure. You know, I I've been in that position when I'm racing. Um, you know, when, when you got nowhere to go in front and then there was a strong competitor, uh, the guy driving the same car as you are and you know how strong that car can be, pushing you, uh, there was no team order. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, naturally, uh, it, it's just uh, unfortunate to, for Russell, but you know, that at the same time, I can understand that pressure. And, you know, cracking, and we're all human. Cracking under the pressure, it's, it's, uh, it's a part of the game sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was gutting. Yeah, like what are the yeah. mar? You know, what are the margins of that even that that that, that happening? That success rate is such an inst like instinct. We can't even. I can't even fathom how quickly that had that mistake had to be to to cause that to cause that that I, uh, hit. I can't focus when someone's talking to me and I'm trying to cook at the same time. So I can't even imagine the mental agility that a race car driver needs. Yeah. And then uh, uh, in the interview, uh, post-race interview, Norris also mentioned that he actually touched the wall already before yeah. Russell did. Yeah. So when you are driving with, you know, behind the gearbox of someone, very naturally you'll be falling into their footsteps. Wherever they go, you try to go the same way. Which, when I coach my drivers, it, it, you should always avoid that. But it's a, it's a human instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. kind of becomes yeah. default to follow it as if it was the racing line. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Correct. But uh, you know, um, ultimately, you should be driving sometimes the alternative line to find your opportunities when you're uh, that close to each other. Yeah. Just like you know, playing badminton, you don't try to hit the birdie to where your opponents are. You should hit it to where he is not located at. So that's the same theory sometimes. You yeah. should go for the gap. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
that never existed in this case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was the wrong the wrong gap in Singapore. In Singapore. Uh, so okay, on top of, for that, then what you're 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 a race you're a team director you're a team principal. What do you tell your a driver that does everything kind of the way Russell did? Do does the right thing, goes to the gap, makes a mistake like that, and is absolutely the the gut feeling the gut absolutely gutted how do you boost the morale back up or or get them to walk it off or do you not do you let them revel in that kind of uh, melancholy to to let them know to learn the mistake well i i would let him settle down first and then during the debrief we talk about it what could have been done differently but you know if if i'm in total's role i would definitely uh tell George to cheer up, you know, you're trying it, you know, you don't you don't always get it, but we were going for that gap, it didn't work out this time, you know, there's always next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have a question in terms of team strategy and everything. I, I wanted to talk about this because I, I haven't heard much. Max Verstappen, early into the race, the, they, they did the off strategy at the start of the race, everyone started mediums or softs, specifically mediums. Um, I think only Leclerc was the only one that started soft. I believe, um, but uh, nevertheless. So Max Verstappen starts on hards. He gets told that what well, we get told as viewers that the hard strategy, the hard tire could last about forty to fifty-ish laps. You pit in for softs or something, and really maximize that. Max Verstappen gets told multiple times, about three or four times, whenever you watched it, it was more a bit more than that. That he's racing too hard. There's no reason to do that. Slow down. And his direct response is no. And then he kind of messes up his tire strategy. So. How do you what what do you do if your driver if you're talking to your driver about team strategy and you have all this data you have all the things and Martin Brundle said it really well in the cast which is like yeah the tire strategies have all these data but drivers like to say that they know the strategy more do you like and especially with Max Verstappen it's a tough to me it's a tough thing because he is so dialed in and good most of the time do you like what do you do on the pit wall when your driver's saying no I don't want to do that strategy but you think that this is the best strategy Gary. First thing first is I think as the uh, engineer and uh, um, in the management role, you should understand your driver. Uh, it obviously is not the first day they know about uh, Max's personality. So, you know, having him to, to, to start on hard and, and do the long run on them and try to manage it, control him, not to push hard, it just wasn't right. I think it was uh, a failed gamble to start. Mm. If it's uh, Hamilton who can have more self-discipline to play the long game uh, in many, you know, history has shown us that he can, he can do that. That makes sense. But for Max, you know, he's all about go, 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 fighting for the position. I think it was the wrong call already from, from, from the start. Oh, so you wouldn't have put on him on hearts? No. Um, they were hoping, hoping for miracle, but then this is Singapore. It's a street circuit. Anything can happen. Uh, prone to safety cars. Why bother staying on, on the hard when you can ultimately, um, you know, get get free pit stops whenever things happen? Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I, I think it's because it's a strategy that Max has been used to over the season. Right. It seems like the strategy for Max this entire season has been go on hard or mediums, build as much of a gap between you and the rest as possible. And then once that gap is is big, um, do another pit stop for like softer near the end of the of the race. And I think that Max is not used to uh, driving with dirty air, 
he's not used to driving behind other drivers, which does tear up the tires a little bit more. Um, and he's used to being able to build that gap, which he wasn't able to do because of mismanagement of tires. So I, I, I think they were going for a comfortable strategy that they use, but unfortunately, because they haven't used it in this position before, at least this season, it was a little out of out of habit for them, if that makes sense. And, and I totally agree. Also, with the, um, the car designs uh, in the past decade, uh, if I can refer it back to, mm-hmm. look at Mercedes. Um, they used to be up front, and then uh, the first year when they were not up front, they struggled. They struggle behind cars, and and I I assume that um, being how aggressive Adrian Newey designed this um, car, this new car, um, you know, naturally it's it's not a, a car that that behaves well when they're following. Yeah, that's that's the point. Like, oh, I'd love to get your thoughts on Adrian the RB19's car design overall, and and obviously the, it's easy just to say it's so fantastic, but. As a race director yourself, what do you, what speaks out to you the most about it? About this new car? Yeah, about the, about the RB19 and and how how this Red Bull team has designed it and and runs it. Oh, I I think that uh, in every there's no no one perfect design. Otherwise, uh, everyone will have a carbon copy of the same car. But uh, there's always compensation. They know that they have a, a strong. Uh, power unit. They know they have um, a very racy uh, lead driver in the team who can drive to the design of the car, especially uh, with Max. Um, so, if you ask him to drive 105 percent to deliver the car, he would do that. Um, so, when they in the process of the thoughts, I I assume I can only assume that uh, you know this car was designed to be upfront. Mm-hmm. It's not the kind of car that was designed to be fighting for for positions within, you know, like like this is a a classic race that we've been hoping for. The fans have been hoping for 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 you know the last seven or ten years since the uh, Mercedes uh, domination. But this 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 race was awesome. It will keep everybody awake till the end. Mm-hmm. I like how how much how much did you love seeing five cars from P one to P five? All in a chance that anything could happen, and they could all win it. Those all drivers that could win it at that at any point. I think every race should have been like that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, I I was I don't know, Marriott. I, I you said that you you kind of bored in the middle stands. I I was really tired on that Sunday, and I was fully awake, no coffee, yeah. like eyes glued to. Once, that. once again, I was I was bored up until the last fifteen laps, but it's because those top five hadn't really changed in position by by fifteen laps to the end. That's when, like, they started to be more aggressive and less kind of keeping status quo, and that's where it really became obvious that any one of those fives could win it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's Very when true. the excitement hit. I, I think yesterday's uh, race was almost like a poker game. Everyone started uh, with uh, pace management, pace management. Nobody show hands on uh, you know the kind yes. of data they collected, how how much true pace their cars had, and then after the first pit stop, 
everybody started doing their own program, and then the safety car made it more spicy. Towards the end, it shows really how good these teams, these engineers, these cars, these drivers were, because you know they always say uh, the spectators always say, "Oh well, it, it was boring domination from Mercedes, boring domination from Red Bull." But you know, if you really look into the results yesterday, like you said, you know, the first and the fifth car, there was minimal margin in between them. And they're running, they were running different power units, different chassis, different aerodynamic setup, different drivers. Wow, this is just how top level. You, you can't beat that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it was definitely one of the best races of the season so far. And I mean, I say that almost every race now. I was going to say. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know what it was. I felt like after Canada, everything seemed to really ramp up uh, in terms of uh, more, maybe not necessarily in the front, but more, I don't know, race craft happening in between the middle field, between P3 and everything. And everything. I thought that it was just a very, it was a really great one. Uh, and that I agree. I agree. I've been uh, uh, taking notes on uh, what happened after the summer break. And, you know, Williams starts becoming stronger. Mm. Um, and yeah. at the same time, you know, McLaren is also, you know, constantly up there with Norris. Ferrari had up their games. Um, this is good. This is good for the sport, you know. Uh, at, of, as much as I love the Red Bulls, um, I I started falling asleep midway through the race. <laughs> and then now, you know, yesterday I was dead tired coming back from the racetrack, turned on my TV, and I had to finish the race. You know, I didn't skip a heartbeat of the race. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was just a great one. It was. It was one. It that, was a good one. Yeah, I was one. I because I watched it. Reese, uh, my my brother, who I watched the races with, he's come on the show a couple of times. He came on right at, at right after the Mercedes double stack, mm. and so he was. Oh, this is so great! And it's then a good he, point to come in. Yeah, um, and he then when he rewatched it, he he just was the same thing. Was that? It kept him awake. He he would he likes to watch it, go on his phone, and when something happens, he he watches it. But he um, didn't have that at all. I I have a little um, a uh, where is it? I have a little radio thing that I thought you would like that people we've been like here. So uh, Gary, so speaking of showing the true pace of the car from earlier, I have this beautiful little radio gem moment uh, from I believe I forget what lap it is. But this one, where uh, science reporting, he still has a second of pace in hand. Yeah, I, yeah, that 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 Ferrari just looked so dominant this weekend, and I thought that that was another th- thing of Carlos Science, not so much the team, but Carlos Science showing that the, the, I think your Gary, your analogy of a poker game is so great yeah. for this for this race. Yeah. I my my driver of the day was definitely Carlos Sainz. Um, I I voted for him because of how clear his mind was when he was so on the edge, and that was going to be his first win with the Ferrari. Um, he processed everything very thoroughly. Um, you know, this is just the uh, the beauty of these uh, uh, new generation of drivers because I I I believe that sim racing definitely helped them, like Max Leclerc. Uh, color signs um, they mm-hmm. can be multitasking they're not just a driver they they in in 
when they are driving at that speed, they're still processing all the information to make the most out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, uh, what about you, Taryn? What's your driver of the day? Oh, I mean, it's easily Carlos Sainz for, for me, too. I just think that... You know, we we've had this conversation multiple times on the F world about if you're if you're team principal Ferrari, who are you kind of designating as you as your driver one? And I think that if you're not saying Carlos Sainz after this race, I don't know what you're what you're smoking because this just shows like you know, we, we I felt like you know, Reese and I had this conversation about it too, and he actually points it out. So shout out to you, Reese. You're you you know. But we talk about Lewis Hamilton and, and Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel Kimmy, mm. obviously Michael Schumacher, uh, Max these days, but these these drivers who have such great racecraft and and intelligence on on the track, and under and you know understanding, and I feel like Carlos Sainz has never been in that conversation to the same degree. Granted, he ha- hasn't had shown the same um, jumps as the as those drivers did when they first come into the into yeah. into, this, into the sport. He's really taken this time, um, you know he he was outshined at Toro Rosso by by Max. He was he was Max's teammate at Toro Rosso when he came in. Um he had Fuerz Fernando's teammate at Renault for a little bit of time. Um Lando Norris came in as a hot shot in McLaren and Carlos was technically there. But I think that he just has shown how much he's grown in the positions he's been giving, especially this season. And you know, even you Marianne talked about it from the beginning of the season, which was, well look how smart he is when he knows that the car isn't and the, the power unit at the time wasn't great. Yeah, no, he, he definitely has a certain intuition um, with the car. I will break the mold, though, and say that he's not my driver of the day. Ugh, that's that's fine. Yeah. For, <laughs> who, who for me, it's Liam Lawson. Yeah. It's, it still blows my mind um, having having so little experience on the Singapore track, being able to do such a good Four performance points. with yeah. one of yeah. the not the worst but one of the worst cars you know like alpha yeah. is not a top car no. and and he he was ahead of verstappen for a while the qualifying had me laughing so hard yeah. when he bumped yeah. verstappen Even like, the race. for I, I his think third race yeah no it's amazing yeah. um so no he totally blew me away for the weekend and it's I, no I news to me that Carlos Sainz I've, is I've intelligent. I've been following Liam Lawson and a bunch of the uh, uh, the current young F1 drivers since their F3, F2 days. And uh, Liam Lawson uh, really caught my eyes already when he was uh, racing in F2. Yeah. yeah. Does this go back yeah. to, Gary, what you kind of mentioned there with this somewhat advantage that this new generation of drivers have with, with the Sims and all these new forms of data and communication like is that is that just a, another kind of tip in that hat for Liam in that in that sense? Oh yeah, they they the, the kind of training they they receive. Um, you know, these new generation drivers uh, were nothing like you know Schumacher, Senna, Prost. When you know those drivers came into the sport with their talent and the instinct and everything, but these drivers, even Max, Max, he's the the perfect example. Um, they were groomed to be an F1 driver. Um, you know, everything they receive, the training they receive from the young age, you know, everybody got into karting at three, and then uh, all the intense training, all the processing. See, the thing with drivers is young, younger drivers always have the sharper edge um, on, the, on the, um, uh, the lab pace. 
but it's the more experienced drivers um, who can always manage a race better. For example, Alonso, uh, you know, and when when Charles Leclerc has has the, maybe the, the better qualifying pace uh, would would be over Alonso. But then when you're fighting with Alonso in a in a, in a race. Uh, you're always in trouble. His uh, elbow's always out. The car's always three times wider. But with Max, <laughs> because he started with such a young age and with so much experience, and he's young still, yeah. so it's best of both worlds. You know, he has all the, the mindset of an experience. You know, he's like a, a bottle of red wine. He's as refined as that on race craft and race management. But also with his instinct, everything put together, this is the best package. You, you can't beat that. That's why, you know, all the, um, in the, in the carding scene right now, my, like my kids involved with, with, uh, carding now, when you go to the car track, um, you see all these, uh, young kids, they're already very racy, very sharp. I, I think if you throw, uh, just a general, uh, car enthusiast into a car track and, and, and have them race with the, in the same machinery as the, any of these seven year olds, 10 year olds, you know, you'd be surprised who who comes out first. Well, yeah, it's yeah, and like speaking of that, I don't want to send a shout out to your son because correct me if I'm wrong. He is the current karting champion in uh, the race around well, the lower lower mainland. He's uh, he's the uh, uh, BC uh, Kit Kart uh, champion. He just won the uh, uh, BC Summer Series uh, uh, in the in the Kit Kart category. So. Oh. <laughs> Uh, with a uh, little bit of hard work and training, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see that he's uh, achieving that. But it's a long way to go. Yeah! Wow, that's that's great. That's and he's amazing. And he's only what, three or five? He's uh, he's seven years old oh, now. Seven. I uh, got him his first go kart when he was three, and then he was playing around with it. And and we finally um, uh, start having him properly trained since last year and then uh, end of last year he started his first race and then this is his first official full season this year oh how did he, how did he find it how, like what yeah how did he find it he's he's loving it like there were lots of tears and sweat during the training but then he really enjoys the outcome he really enjoys the, uh, the driving uh, he enjoys making friends at the track, and at the same time, I think that for uh, young kids, uh, you you rarely see a, a naughty kid around the track because uh, basically the sport, uh, how how physical being how physical it is in nature, it, it exhausted their their energy already by the time they get off the track. <laughs> so it's supposed to be great for you as a parent to just you know get them in the car on the cart, they race around, they come back, you give them a little ice cream, and they fall asleep right away. That it was that easy. Oh. <laughs> every, every race weekend, when I have to arrive at the uh, at the go kart track with him, you know, we have to wake him up, feed him breakfast, get him all suited up for for his session, and then uh, prepare his cart, get him ready, uh, and then talk him through, um, you know, uh, from from the training data, talk him through, re- remind him of the driving, uh, comes back up to uh, uh, we have to review his video and data with him. And then uh, again, make sure his cart is ready to go again uh, for the next session. And the cycle goes long, around and around and around. In blink of an eye, you miss lunch, and it's end of the day, five o'clock. And then guess what? We gotta prepare the cart again for tomorrow. <laughs> oh, and he's so he's 
So he, has he gotten used to that kind of schedule already then, or is he, yeah, yeah he has? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because, uh, uh, you know, from uh, basically uh, he, he's growing up from uh, a motorsport family, so you know, ever since he was a few months old, a few weeks old, uh, we started going to the racetrack, and he basically grew up in the racetrack. So he, he really loves that he's actually involved uh, with the sport now instead of just being a, a spectator. Uh, sometimes it's funny when he shows up at uh, our uh, racetrack here when, when, when the adults are racing cars, he would go and chit-chat with them and you know, talk about driving and all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we find that the age gap is non-existent anymore when, when, when we're speaking the same language sometimes. We talk about understeering around which corner and how he, he likes his car uh, to be handled and all that stuff. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm 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 sitting here and just wondering if if my brother is listening to this if this is giving him a preview for his little one. He just had a a baby boy and uh he named him Enzo after Enzo Ferrari and I've got a feeling that um he, Enzo's going to grow up to be in the motorsports as well. So you I'm know, uh, I'm enjoying this. Well, the funny thing you mentioned that your brother's uh, kid was named Enzo, and uh, my my son's name was Mick. And <laughs> guess where that name came from? <laughs> That's you amazing. Him, you did him after Mick Schumer. Oh, Mick. Mick, yeah. Yeah, yeah Mick. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That yeah. is awesome. So wh- I, I think uh, going back to uh, Carlos Sainz, I I think he's definitely on the rise, and uh, he's challenging for the team leader role in Ferrari. It, it will be funny how... It'll, it'll be interesting, not funny. It'll be interesting to see how things unfold because uh, with uh, Fethasar, um who basically uh, is the uh, kind of like the godfather role in, uh, in Charles Leclerc's recent career, but now <laughs> when the other driver is actually showing more potential, how, how do you deal with that? Is there equal status in the team and whatnot. I mean, I think the official line they give the press is that Ferrari doesn't have a driver number one and number two, even though we all know that's kind that's of bollocks. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows. It's all Ferrari drivers. Like, yeah. no, there's, I think, there's one, too. I think Charles Leclerc has talent. Um, Certainly with, musical talent. Like, oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> he's got he's got a certain amount of talent. I think Signs has skill. Like I think this is where the difference between talent and skill kind of is shown is that Carlos Signs in the long run has more more focus and shows his intelligence a lot more in his decisions. And one thing I also wanted to mention is uh I was going to talk about, uh, when, when I was invited to this show, I was going to talk about the uh, personality uh, uh, in general for yeah. uh, being a good driver. I mean, for being a good team player. For example, uh, Carlos Sainz, I think, complains less about the team. Um, on the other hand, you know, there are several drivers on the grid right now. Uh, George Russell, uh, uh, Hamilton... Uh, Charles Leclerc, whenever you hear them on radio, uh, it's always about complaining something, demanding something. But I, I think um, Norris, uh, Sainz, they 
are more on the upbeat side of a personality, and and that would keep them more focused, more calm when they're in a, in a, in a position where uh, everything becomes more critical. You need to make that uh, decision right away. But you know, with a cooler mindset, I I think that that's their uh, advantage. Gary, how could you do that? How could you do this to me? Because Marianne <laughs> points this out all the time. Because you know, because both of you know that I'm a Lewis boy. So every every race, she points out all the time. Lewis complains and why that's a bad thing, and I have to I have to sit here and defend. Like, well, no, he's had a bad car, and like he's upset. He wants to be at the point of the the, the team. So I totally get it. And now, now that was two against one in this episode, and I'm upset. (laughs) I love it. I get some validation on my point. And you got validation from the racing director. Yeah, (laughs) because it bugs me. It bugs me when I hear drivers complain about their team. It it always it always feels like they're airing out dirty laundry um, to the press. It always feels like they're they're focused more on the problem, less on the solution, right? Exactly. And it it exactly. just shows to the mentality. It bugs me how much yeah. they they you know poo poo on their team. <laughs> I'm trying not to swear. No, 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 no. I really respect I, that. I, I think I, I think um, everyone knows, including the drivers, that you know if you press the button and talk something. Uh, say something out loud. There's uh, over a few million people listening. I, I think a lot of the uh, the comments and the questions and concerns should be addressed in the debrief, not not when you are racing. I I agree with Michael Schumacher uh, uh, during one of his interviews uh, early on um, before his retirement. Is you know there are three thousand people sitting in the factory analyzing data for you, and those people are there for a reason. They know things that I don't know, so I should work with them. If it doesn't work, then you know we can do go over it in the debrief. But you know, the the team knows better, knows more. You're only a small particle of uh, of a team, and and everyone involved should be a team player. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I just want to let you know yeah. that Marianne's just looking at me with the most smug look on her face. I am so enjoying this moment, and this has been a point of conversation <laughs> for us. Like where, like even off air, it gets quite heated. Because because it it bugs me and and it bugs me that you don't always see, like why it's no. a bad thing and and you go yeah but the car is bad and these things are true and it's like my problem isn't that their complaints are true or aren't true my problem is that they complain, yeah. it shows bad character. Fair enough. I look. I'm a guy that loves raw emotion, and so when I get to see raw emotion from people that are at such a thing, and it's such a it's such a crazy sport because it is, it is like that. I love it, and as a, and I can I can appreciate and empathize with that raw emotion. That being said, I will just say that you guys have really strong points, and I totally get that. It really puts things into perspective about. Where the team is, how to respect the teammates that are there, and and understanding every little piece. I think that's something that always comes up almost every time we talk about the sport, that it really isn't just about the driver and the pit crew and the team principal there. It's about the thousands of employees that are sitting around watching it and getting that representation of, of all their hard work being told, well, this is crap, yeah. like I hate, I hate this thing, versus 
this is a problem. We got to figure this out after the race. It's it's not you, even. You, you just can't discourage them. Yeah. You, you you have to drive them all towards the same goal. That's uh, that's the only way to succeed. And and if you're going to discourage them, don't do it publicly. Exactly. That's so worse. You know, yeah. leave it for the debrief. Just go. By the way, guys, I know you've been working hard on this, but the, these are my problems with it, and this is why it's not a good car, right? And keep that yeah. off the microphone. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Gary, um, your your son. Uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's change the topic No, but no, this no. does bring me to a question for you, Gary, which is: Do you? With the with the access to drivers that you have, do you see a significant difference when it comes to personality and success rates? Oh, totally, totally. Um, you know, last year I've been working with a, a young talent who uh, started racing go karts with us, and then he took the uh, local uh, race school and went on to do local club racing, and then he moved on to do the US F4 series, and then eventually uh, we were racing the uh, the Montreal Grand Prix for, in the Ferrari Challenge category. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Amazing. a very, very um, good talent, very motivated, but he's, his driving's on the more aggressive side. So when I was on radio with him, talking him through the race start and, and, and the strategy and all that stuff uh, while we were in Montreal, I dialed down my tone so I can soften him up a little bit you know, make make sure he's in a in a calmer state, and to manage his uh, his mood throughout the whole race. Um, versus, on the other hand, there are drivers who are naturally more mellow, and you have to push them to the limit. You have to uh, remind them, you know, go deeper into the braking zone, you know, um, all that stuff. So you have to study your driver. It's a psychology, and and actually that's what I study when I was in the uh, UBC. So I, I kind of use some of my education towards my uh, my career who is uh, completely different than uh, than 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 psychology in, in the most cases but you know when communicating with team members uh, uh, drivers I find that what I what I learned from school really uh, uh, get into use yeah I, I imagine that that's a great skill to have um, especially yeah. when dealing with the drivers because the the mental the mental headspace that one must have for racing, I imagine, is is something that could use a lot of guidance um, at times because it's it's a weird dichotomy. You want to be the best, but you don't want to be so uh, aggressive that you crash, but you don't want to be so timid that you get passed over. And so it's this this weird kind of balance that you have to keep on a on a personal and strategic level. For you to be successful, and I, I imagine being able to to dive into some psychology knowledge must uh, must be useful. Yeah, I, I I think one of the good examples uh, we can point out here would be uh, Christian Horner. Christian Horner uh, on Max's early days, he would always tell Max that you're the best, you're going to be the world champion. You know, you did nothing wrong, even if you crash into someone else, all that stuff. Um, he's mentally brainwashing him to believe himself that you are the best and he becomes the best yeah, mm, yeah. affirmations yeah. i mean yes yeah. when when was the last time uh, you hear toto or christian horner going on the radio and say hey you made a mistake you know 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, not not to Max Verstappen, to other drivers, yes, but not to Max Verstappen. <laughs> yeah. um, I, yeah. I think that I think that's I think that would be my other um, thing. But even then, I would say you know rewatching Drive to Survive again, and even rewatching some of the interviews, specifically watching some of the interviews when Pierre Gasly was in Red Bull and not having a struggle. He Christian was very much a stop looking at the numbers you're going to get too much in your head with that really feel the car like like he was very much more personal with the drivers and i think that's a very underrated aspect about christian horner that i don't even give him enough credit for that he really like he surprisingly is a very good driver like talk good drive talk to the drivers i think yes yes yeah. i think so i think so. Uh, he's good with media i Excellent. i i cannot understand how he can be so calm when his drivers are racing for uh, out there for the race wins and then he's being interviewed at the same time talking about the strategies you know if things uh did not go the way as he expected he's too calm he's he's just that good with uh um all-around person yeah and how do you really talk about your strategy while the race is going on a feed that you know the every other team has that feed so how do you really talk about your legitimate car strategy in an honest way if you know okay here's another avenue for teams to listen in on on the conversation but also there's so much going on how do you do that it, it amazes me too it's point uh, i don't know how many buttons he has to press while making decisions while uh, <laughs> while he's being interviewed there must be a keyboard with standard phrases that he could uh, he could press the buttons yeah, and, and respond back to the team. He just he he pre-records them in uh, before the race. They're and actually his daily affirmations. It. Yeah, and yeah. He, that's how he yeah. memorizes them is just repeating them to yeah. himself every morning, yeah. believing it, and then yeah, yeah. So so, so <laughs> oh, you got me smiling too much there. Uh, so so Gary, with you and your son, when does? Gary Kwan, race director versus father, step in. When when does that bridge get crossed, or is are they are they always in tandem with each other? It's uh, very funny that you mentioned this uh, this relationship. Early days when I first got him the go card when he was three, I tried to be the coach and the father, and it, I can tell you, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> we we had fallouts, we have arguments, and. You know, there were times that when he wanted to take a break because of that um, uh, that pressure that uh, indirectly um, I've been putting on him. So finally, I've decided I'm handing him off to a friend of mine who's also a very good karting coach, too, and a kid kart coach. Um, he's working with my friend now within five minutes when I introduced the two of them. They were holding hands, doing track walk together, and then uh, he started uh, enjoying driving all over again so now my role it's just a father a supporter uh maybe a mentor when he wants to ask me about um you know the psychology of going into a race start and all that stuff but uh, i i go hands off with the coaching side of things i i i just want to keep our relationship more pure that way <laughs> <laughs> i like that you know, no, yeah that's really nice having yeah. having been Let personally coached by my dad i i feel like that's that's a good approach because yeah mixing those two hats you start to build resentments yeah oh it was difficult it yeah. was difficult i can tell you <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I I lucked out that I've never I've never had to deal with that my myself too too much. But um, so how so how quickly for your son are you getting the racing sim in the Red Bull beer uh, Red Bull beer mini fridge? <laughs> well, he's uh, he's a uh, a Max fan for sure. I I find it it's really funny when you go to the go kart track now. Maybe seventy percent of the the kids there are Max's fans. If you go there ten years ago, everyone was a Lewis fan. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, twenty years ago, no, fifteen years ago, everyone was a uh, was a uh, a battle Fet- fan. Oh, yeah, and then it was a Schumacher. Um, my my favorite driver was uh, all time my my view only. Um, it's uh, Michael Schumacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think he is. Uh, he has the talent. He has the uh, the raw instinct. He has the drive. At the same time, he's. Uh, He's a nice man off the track, and that's that's how uh, you need to be. Like you, you can be a, a, as aggressive as you are on track to fight for your results, but off track you have to be a you have to be a good person. You have to uh, drive people around you to uh, to achieve the same goals together. Mm-hmm. That was really well said. I really like that. Well, cool. um, yeah, Marianne, you anything anything to add on that? No, no, I no, you don't have. Uh, a, I agree. No, no rebuttals. Oh, no, no you, rebuttals. Only re- you only rebuttal to me. What am I talking about? You only, <laughs> you only question. You only challenge my point. No, I, I, I think that's a, that's a hard. That's a hard one. The way to speak it that way, it's hard to really say that any other driver could be number, the best ever. Well, actually, no. I've yeah, got. Well, I've maybe. got a question now. Sorry. Um, from a psychology point of view, do you think that there's a difference? between the younger the newer generation of drivers and the older generation of drivers i find from you know watching f1 for maybe 30 years now the the newer generation drivers are more demanding oh <laughs> and oh. they like to make their own decisions more <laughs> or, or maybe in the old days some of the conversations were just never broadcasted. <laughs> mm, that's possible too. Yeah. Why, why do you feel more demanding? Is it? Do you think that's because I, I, I feel that they like to overstep into the uh, uh, the strategy decisions and all that. And you know, in in Mika Hakkinen versus Michael Schumacher days, uh, I think the team makes the call. They are just the driver. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Do you think so much of that's because there is so much new data that's so r- available now? It's so much easier to get that and communicate with the people at the factory to get that information right away and to convey that to the driver as, as they're going. Do you think that has a lot to do with it? That it's kind of like this this flood of info at your fingertips can affect that. I don't think the uh, there's all that info uh, flowing to the steering wheel display though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those buttons. I don't know what I don't know what is on that about those those steering wheels. <laughs> I, I I I can't believe how how good they are. These drivers, you know, when they're racing on the edge and they uh, they have to adjust all these different driving modes, you know, brake balance, everything on the fly, and you know, yeah, it, it's just funny. There there are some manuals on on those um, on those buttons too, and yeah. wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's an entire switch console. Yeah, yeah. I always, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that they brought back the G-force meter. 
um, for this race at least, because uh, they always seem to swap the the overlays on F1 mm. TV and everything. But they brought back the G-force meter, and I love seeing when they hit corners, and I was like, this person's going eight Gs, and he's just turn, and then he's just turning a dial. He takes his hand off the steering wheel. Take, turns a dial and then puts it back. Is like, so he just doesn't feel it. <laughs> yeah, no, and and that's that's the thing, right? The the amount of physical exertion that one must go through to be a race car driver, like of any sorts, but Formula One especially. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like uh, I just watched the interview of uh, Beto, and they asked him uh, if he may be coming back. He said, "Well, he's basically um, physically ready, besides for the neck." <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god imagine the neck uh yeah yeah i would could you imagine if Vettel comes back i mean if anything it shows that with you know lewis there alonzo back and forth and hitting into the and now and now in his 40s to show that you can still do it with everything that all the new tech and new understanding of health you can do it at an older age so maybe we can get Vettel back where would you put him gary i i, I think he will come back yeah. I, I think he's waiting for the perfect timing when the uh, uh, synthetic feel uh, comes in so it will go well with uh, the campaign he, he is trying to promote. Um, I have a strong feeling that he's going to uh, sign with Audi. Okay, you know what? This is a perfect chance, though, Gary. So here, stay on the line. We're going to take a short break here on Silver Radio 101.7 FM, and then when we come back, I really want to talk to you about the synthetic fuels and fuels and Audi because I think this is a great conversation. I'd love to get your to pick your brain about it. Uh, good. Yeah. So, listeners, stay tuned. Don't turn that dial. Civil Radio 101.7 FM 92.3 in around in Chilliwack and Fraser Valley. This is the F World guest starring Gary Kwan from Race Fanatic. Stay tuned. Gary, before the break, you mentioned Vettel coming back potentially when this uh, sustainable fuels that new technology is coming in. Are you what? What are your thoughts on these sustainable fuels? We're starting to see them, not necessarily for the race, but um, for at least the transportation side of things coming in soon. What are your thoughts on it? Are you you sound are you pretty pro pro for them? Yes, I am. Uh, I think right now, you know, uh, electric vehicle it's uh, it's a big topic. Uh, but, you know, we have to be realistic at the same time how many uh, in dust, uh, in, in internal combustion engine cars we have on the road. Um, are we going to eventually trash them all? I don't think so. Uh, there's got to be a way, and I think uh, uh, the FIA has already, uh, work, has already been working on um, studies on the uh, synthetic fuel. It is coming. It is coming, and if that comes, I think, um, you know, it will be uh, a big player in the market. Mm-hmm. Do, do you see maybe like the hybrid kind of going down and people and other teams maybe trying to do more full combustion engines again? If oh, um, I that hope so. we get more, get, get that. Uh, like, don't, don't, don't I get my really hopes. I really hope so. I want the V10s back, but, <laughs> but um, <laughs> do, do, do you see that I, being a possibility though? Well, F, F1 has always been the leader of technology. So, I, I, I strongly believe that the um, synthetic fuel uh, will play a big part to retain the internal uh, internal combustion engines along with the, the hybrid technology together. Mm-hmm. Because you know, not like like uh, like you mentioned earlier, we have that Tesla race car um, uh, at uh, at the track here, and nothing beats that instant torque uh, when you're 
uh, starting a race, exiting a corner. If you can uh, put both technology, get all of the uh, the stars lined up, uh, tune it right, and put it all in one race car, I think it will be the perfect package. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful to see it launch. It's almost, it's, I almost don't see it launch because it's so fast when I when I've seen the Tesla car go, and yeah, it's f- fantastic. Um, yeah, but you had also mentioned you could see Vettel coming back when that technology comes in and goes to Audi. Why Audi? Do you is it just because of timing, or do you think just like there's something that Audi's doing that? You can... I I think it has to do with the timing, uh, and I I strongly believe that when Vettel exits, it was due to the lack of a good car. He's been a talented driver. He's always been at the top of the sport. And then for the last few years before he retired for the first time, let's put it this way, um, he was never been put in a in a competitive car. Aston Martin was, was good for a little while, and then the pace dropped back again, and it was disappointing for him. Um, and, you know, being uh, a very uh, environmental-friendly person himself, I think if the synthetic fuel comes in, and he also in the last interview that uh, they that they just had with Vettel, uh, he also mentioned uh, the amount of talents uh, remain in Germany. Uh, it's only Mick Schumacher at this moment. Uh, his original intention, I'm, I'm, my guess is, uh, when he retired, he could give the sport uh, the spot to uh, to Mick. But then, uh, unfortunately, S. Martin signed Alonso. Um, so that was uh, a bit disappointing for him, but I, I I believe that if Audi comes in, he the dream team may be uh, Vettel, Mick Schumacher, Audi, and synthetic fuel. Oh my gosh, you you would you would give Mick the seat? I would, I would. I've I've been following him since F4, F3, F2 days, and uh, he's a good driver, got a good working ethic like like his dad. I think he just needed the luck and a good car. Mm-hmm. So is that? Do you think like of the luck, the good car? That's a really good way to say it. Definitely not Haas, then. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they have no luck and no good cars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think their uh, team decisions were all that bright as well most of the time. Mm-hmm. No, and then you and pair that with the 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 almost fictional bad luck that they have. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know how you have two cars in Q3 and on the start on the top ten starting grid, and they both where do they both where do they end up? Did one of, did one of them even fin- not finish? Um, no, they both did finish, so that's that's kind of and amazing. I think they, did they not score a point this time around? No. Oh, yeah, they got one point from by Kevin Magnuson. Yeah, yeah, and that was because of a uh, that was because Alex Al- Alex Albin. Thanks again, Walter Foreman pointed this out to me. Uh, checks it in. Alex Albon got messed over by Sergio Perez. Yeah. And he got pulled back a whole bunch. And then Perez barely didn't barely got a penalty. Yeah, weird penalty calls this uh this time around. Yeah. This last race. Yeah, which <laughs> oh my gosh, we can go into that uh and everything. But I want to kinda jump back into this because we finally have thank you so much, Gary, for being really the first Mick Schumacher enthusiast and supporter that we've had. <laughs> Everyone seems to only give him the bad rap from, oh, you do too, Marion. I'm sorry, I forgot. I'm not against you, him. You're never against him. He just always, he said, it's yeah. Haas. But so. It, it's unfair for him that uh, people always say that he was in F1 because of the surname. 
Mm-hmm. With, yeah. We've seen his speed and his work ethic, you know, even Toto Wolf uh, publicly praised him for the effort he put in for the team, you know, on the Friday nights to uh, try all the setup changes on the sim so that they could achieve the results on Saturday and Sundays. Um, it's you know, there's there's always a reason why why he would uh, point point out the credit uh, for Mick. It's mm-hmm. it's also a little unfair to point out nepotism in Formula One, in any form, right? Because then we got to look at every single driver's. Yeah, everyone's known everyone since they were three years old. Like this is not a sport that you start in high school and then go pro. This is a sport you start when you're three. And it's it's boys that have been training together their entire lives. It's fathers that have been making those connections. Like go 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 tell Verstappen that you know his his father had nothing to do with him becoming a driver. Yeah. Or or well, definitely did or, he got beaten and that's and that's the thing, yeah. right? So so it's so unfair to then look at Mick Schumacher and just be like, oh, but it's just because of your dad's name that you're getting this. And it's like, if <laughs> he's kind of even with a bad car, he tends to do better than you know Stroll. So <laughs> yeah, and 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 know. that's just obvious nepotism. So like it's it always irks me because it's like that is part of the sport. The sport is a sport that you are groomed into at such a young age that saying that there is no like treatment because of who you know and how you know them is ridiculous and pointing it out is redundant. Yes. Yep. High five. Thank you. High five. (laughs) I just want to point (laughs) (laughs) I also just want to point out, I've been looking this up uh, while you were talking here, Marianne, that in the driver kind of you know the nepotism speech uh Mm. out of the drivers that had been in whose fathers were in and now the only one that has actually been a positive is max verstappen and the only one though out of the three nelson pk world champion mick schumacher don't even need to talk about that with world champion joseph verstappen not a world champion and look what happened the the roles have reversed with the Suns, so just want to point. Just wanted to kind of point that out. Uh, give me a you missed Nico Rosberg and Kiki Rosberg, though. Yeah, yeah, oh. the Rosbergs. Well, there's an ex- ex- exception, okay? Because <laughs> Nico. I have to mention that joke. He is the only driver who beat two seven-time world champions. Yeah, I. Well, he wasn't seven-time at the time. Just let's just let's just clarify. Lewis was not seven-time world champion <laughs> at the time. So he was so hold the phone. <laughs> he was a three-time world champion. <laughs> Don't you ever no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I I will go on the record to say um I wish things had been different with Mercedes and Nico. I I thought I think Nico Rosberg will go as an unsung amazing driver. You look at him when he was younger. Well, look what he did for Williams in the 2007s and keeping in like 2007 when Lewis first came in. Yeah. Talking about like yeah. very call of science in terms of starting from the bottom and grinds his way to the top. And even like I was doing some research on this, even the whole 2014, 2015, 2016, you know, we talked about uh, Marion, you and I have talked about a few times uh, Lewis's role in Mercedes and taking that development shot the way George uh, hasn't uh, the last couple of okay. years. Nico did that all in 2013, 20, you know, 20, he came in to Mercedes pretty early on yeah. into their return, right? Yes. Yeah, so like 2011, 2012-ish, I think so. Um, yeah. I don't think, maybe, maybe not 2011, but point is, 
He comes in at 20, 2012 ish. 2013 is a heavy development. And 1415, Nico is the driver that Mercedes is talking to for developing. And he's doing the most on the Sims and everything. And then 2016 has this. I think 2016 is one of the greatest F1 seasons. And that's coming from someone who had to watch his hero lose um, on the last race. But that's fine. You know, that's totally fine. I'm not salty about it because I love the way Nico raced in 2016. I can hear it in your voice how not salty you are about it. I'm not salty about it, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. I'm going to be so salty if he loses the 2008 championship. But but the thing is, is that I think that just, I think, just to bring up the topic of Nico, I I just think that he gets so he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves for how good he actually was. Um, totally, and, and, and I am uh, I, I'm not uh, a fan of those who uh, always made fun of him, saying that he's uh, a one year deal and you know uh, he quit after he succeeded only once. Everyone has a different mindset, and you have to respect that uh, the road he had. Um, before obtaining that that first championship, it was tough. And, you know, he had to go through uh, different therapy to even cope with that stress. Mm-hmm. And you know, he doesn't want to go through that again. And you just have to respect that. And look at the and and Lewis was a good driver. And you know, staying on top, they were they were longtime rivals since karting days. And 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 they know each other. And they were best friends. Style, men- mindset, everything. And like, and on top of that, not just rivals, they were best friends. Yeah. And that's one yeah. of the whole other other than Nikki getting Lewis there, but like I remember the first interview he's like I get to drive with my best friend as my teammate and we get to push yeah. each other to that point in 2014 and and I think that really ru- uh, ruined a lot. It would have been amazing if they had been able to stay that way. I don't think I at the same time I do think that you can't be best friends with your rival on the same team in F1. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't I don't Everyone's think you, I don't fighting think, for their own yeah, and your and your teammate is your most is your biggest adversary because you're the sa- you're right, you're in the same everything, right? Well, yeah, and I I feel like we we caught a glimpse of that this weekend with Signs and Norris, right? It's like Norris's first year with Signs was very much kind of big brother little brother, um, yeah. and then the year after was kind of butting heads and rivalry. Well, that was also because right? Science had just said he's going to Ferrari, so they knew they were like going against each other. They in they they did, but that's what I mean, right? They were on the same team and rivals, mm-hmm. and and we saw the friction that came out of that. And this weekend, it kind of felt like that first year again, where it's kind of they were they were kind of playing each other a little bit right and at the end when like they went in for the hug and everything it was i don't know for me it was kind of a aw moment that's a podium i would rewatch yeah. over and over again yeah because it had off moment yeah, yeah. It, it was it was back to that that friendship level that they had in that first year and and you, you get a feeling that that the spitefulness that came out of the second year was washed away well i mean at the same time like Norris knows that he has a podium because of Carlos, because of science. Because science, science lower, s- slow down so he could get the DRS to give him the podium. No, Without that, he wouldn't have had it. And, <laughs> and science knows that he kept first because Lando Defended. was protecting and defending against the Mercedes. So, like, they worked together in a way that um, was reminiscent of their first other. year. Yes, yes. I, I, I think we should really uh, cap this conversation. And then uh, hopefully in the future we will 
be able to see signs and uh, know us fighting for a championship, and then we will review this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Well, the that's, good thing with the internet, the <laughs> good thing with the internet is that this conversation will be recorded and put up on Spotify for us to. Come and review later. Do you know so. what the Spotify link is, Marianne? Could you know? I absolutely don't. Why oh, don't you okay, refresh my memory? It is just the F World on Spotify. You put that in that, put that on the search bar. We're starting to become the first one that pops up, so I'm pretty happy with that. And it could also just be the local Wi-Fi stuff that gets it, but <laughs> I like to, I like to give ourselves the stuff. Um, I just want to say it is our Gary. Thank you so much because it is officially our 30th episode, the Big Three O, on my birthday week where I turned the Big Three O. Oh. 30 for 30. 30 for 30. And we just hit, as I checked this morning, because we had, uh, I will say, disclosure fan peeps, we had a little RSS problems over the weekend. So our our the, our, the web episode got loaded up that I did on, with Walter on Saturday. Loaded up, and then got dropped. And then loaded up again. And then I had to reboot it up uh, okay. today. So that's why you got a little notification uh, for followers. If you hit that ring, ring that bell, you get that you got another notification that an episode popped up today. That was just the qualifying one. But we have officially, according to our analytics, have 330 listeners total downloads. That so is very awesome. 30, 30, 30. Amazing. Crazy time. It's yeah. A, it, it's I feel like you need to go buy yourself a lottery ticket. I don't, I don't trust my luck on that. Just I, make sure you pick 30. Yeah. <laughs> and 44 as two of your numbers. There we go. There we go. I, I might have to say that. I might have to do that. 44. And then maybe you'll come in third. Yes. <laughs> I'll get 44. Uh, 33. Forty-seven. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah. And fifty-five. Five. <laughs> and fifty-five and five. Fifty-five. Yeah. 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 There we go. Every Formula One fans pick their lottery number. That's, that's exactly what it is. We have an F World lottery ticket for everyone that could hopefully win. I it, doubt it. It'd be interesting. Actually, <laughs> so get a lottery ticket every race week of the pole positions of that week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. See if you win anything. Could you imagine? Could you imagine every, <laughs> every single time? Oh, but the question is, do we put 33 or do we have to put 01? Oh, Because his car is, number is technically number one right now. I mean, Max's. I guess you put both. Yeah, 1, 33. I don't, I don't know how that works. So <laughs> I don't know. I really, I really. Uh, I, I, I always need to buy the extra number, number 12. Yeah. yeah that's my kid's yeah. uh, rate number. <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. your number? My, my kid's number. Okay, yeah, yeah, you have to do that. You have to shout out. Yeah, and he's a champion, so we have to give out. We have to give spread the love of the champion, right? So there we go. I, I think if if you if you win, right, then it's it's just that's got to be your favorite racetrack on whatever week you win. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I win, I I might uh, I might have to follow Lawrence Stroh's footsteps. Oh <laughs> by a team, by a manufacturer. <laughs> yeah, but this time your son will actually. Put out good numbers, though. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You, your son has talent. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll bring uh, Veto in my team. Exactly. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Think of how... The I, mentorship. I my, my God. You're, that, oh, that, this is motivating. Motivating. There you go. It can happen. It can happen. There we that. go. There we go. Speaking of if you win and now you have your favorite racetrack, this weekend we have Suzuka, the Japanese Grand Prix. And yes. one of mine, it's I, I would say it's in my top five f- favorite racetracks. Uh, I think I say that every single week, every single, every single time I break down the next racetrack, I was like, this is also one of my favorite racetracks. 
but I legitimately do love Suzuka. Um, and if and if it's anything like that, if it's anything like uh, every race, Ava racer who loves it, and typically the history of the Japanese racetrack, t- this weekend we'll get another wet and sloppy race. Um, but who knows what happens? I, Gary, what are your favorite racetracks? And we, as someone who's watched F1 for 30 years, what do you love most about Suzuka and the racing that comes on, off that track? It's the atmosphere of the track. Suzuka is one of my, my favorites. Monaco, and then uh, now after being to the uh, uh, Canadian uh, Montreal uh, track myself last year, uh, I, I just want to keep going back every year. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's worth it. I I've gone twice so far to the Montreal one and it, it is it is a fun weekend. It mm-hmm. is a fun race. It's not it my favorite racetrack. Um cut the mic, but it cut is the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is it is it is a favorite on a nostalgic level and on a personal level, but not on a track level if that makes sense. Yeah, makes total sense because that's where I kind of stand on yeah. it too. Um, I, I will say though that you haven't gone yet. I haven't gone. I haven't gone seeing a We're race. We're gonna have live. to rectify that. We will someday in my life. Well, maybe when I do a European Grand event here, I'll find a way to sneak into some races. Um, cause I'll be there during the race height of race week. I will join you for that. I yes. will join you for that. Yes. Okay. Let's go to spa. Let's go to spa. Let's. Oh my gosh! Can we go, Marianne? Can you go to spa with us? I when is spa next year? I don't know. I don't. We'll, we'll I don't know. I might be. I might be in school in Taiwan. Just, it might be very the, hard. For doesn't matter. Me. Doesn't matter. We'll just we'll bring Sean and he can be you for proxy and uh, he'll have yeah. a little camera on us strapped on him so that we with your face like I an iPad. You just keep me on the phone on Facetime. Yeah, just like <laughs> I have like eighteen extra batteries just to keep you just to keep you on the the phone. Yeah, if um, I'm not in Taiwan, then sure. Yes. Okay. Gary, there we go. We have we have a F one we have an F World family event now. We've done it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Signed up, ready to go. Let's go. I I'm so excited for this right now. I I'm so excited. I forgot where what I was going to say. Next. <laughs> Speaking of attending an F one event, last year when I got there, I walked the track three times. Friday, Saturday. Wow, it was amazing. I, yeah. I just oh. missed running into the drivers. It's oh. it's also a beautiful track. I um I was living in Montreal at one point and I was living on the Longueuil side mm-hmm. right and so um I would take my bicycle and I would have to bike through the track to cross the river to get to Montreal to get to my work and I remember just it being a really beautiful ride every time That's amazing. Yes. Yes yeah. and then uh at all the um <clears throat> The Grand Prix weekend, old Montreal, that atmosphere there—it's uh, nothing beats that. Mm-hmm. Ah, so much hype. Mm-hmm. And I can't talk about now. I remember what I was going to say, and it's a sense some that I can't never talk about when we bring up the Canadian Grand Prix. Um, it is official, according to the F one F one polls and standings. Uh, Canada 2011 is voted as the best F one race of all time. Just saying, that was, was the that the, the four hour one, the yeah. four hour wet race. Yeah, yes. that's that's the it's one where like Button. Jensen Button crashes Lewis Hamilton out, and then ends up and they're like the opening lap, and then like um, somehow ends up winning has, it in uh, the most pure. He has been in every position of uh, in 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 uh, during the race from from that last to first. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's a. It is a. 
it's i can't talk about it's how iconic yeah i cannot stop talking about how great that race is and it was actually funny because i hadn't rewatched 2011 for a while and it was actually on the show we talked about it leading up to the canadian grand prix and i think remember walter said yeah. you gotta rewatch 2011 taryn as an adult now and i can't not rewatch that race it's like going to be an annual thing for me every every canadian grand prix i'm going to rewatch canada 2011 um fun fact that was also my uh graduation year from yeah. high school so that's probably why no and and that's the thing that came up from us trying to figure out which one was my first race um oh, right. watching live because i've been to montreal twice and once was in 2014 um but the time before that uh this 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 made it kind of official that it was the 2010 because 2009 they didn't have one and i would have remembered a four hour long race um and that didn't happen when i was there so it yeah. had to be 2010 <laughs> you guys uh, do you guys still remember when uh when was the uh, the first f1 race you watch on tv that you start following um mm. so this is a bit different because i was still pretty young when i really got into it and like again like i was really into it just because of cars going fast and um lewis hamilton so i think my first actual race that i sat and watched was i think 2007 um or not not kind of because that was that was lewis's first race um it was in 2007 because that's when i first really got into the sport uh so yeah I forget which one in 2007 though. I um I have no idea. I'm I'm French European. Um so it's it's like soccer. We just kind of it's something that's on TV growing up. <laughs> ah. Yeah. It's the two well, sports me, that we watch. Yeah, that's what I what's yours. Me, I was I was uh I was always uh, a big car enthusiast and then uh I remember it was 1997, uh, the first race of the year, uh, Melbourne Park, El uh, Albert Park, mm. and um, Austra uh, Australian Grand Prix. And uh, my friend rang me up and said, hey, F1's on TV, you want to watch together? And, and ever since then, there was no, no turning back. Every race, haven't missed one since then. Yeah, it's... Uh, I love I love hearing these stories of how people get in. And it's, I, I always love the best part is it always seems to be someone else's friend. Or someone very close, and it makes it just better. To but me. I think that that's that's the that's the way sport is transferred in any in any sport, right? It's always a friend or a family member. Mm -hmm. There's always yeah. an intimate relation that brings you in. It's very very rare that you get a sports fan who's like, "Yeah, I just woke up today and decided to watch football." You know, it doesn't happen. It's always some someone else who brings them in, who explains the rules, who kind of mentors them through the fandom. I'm I'm a guy that just wakes up and watches football. <laughs> <laughs> just woke up that one day. You're just like, yeah. You know what? Football's never been a thing in my life, but today, that's gonna change. No, football was a huge <laughs> thing in my family. Like growing up, that was my first sport. So like, um, yeah, that was a, that was a big one. Yeah. Um. When I first started watching the uh, the voice of F1, the great uh, Murray Walker oh. made things very entertaining. That what that was the uh, I would consider to be the uh, the golden era of uh, of F1. Yeah, the, the broadcasting it 
Yeah. It really is. It's, it's really funny because now, get, since I've started getting into radio and, and broadcasting and everything, I've started watching sports differently because I'm hearing good and bad broadcasters in multiple times. And, and, and the, 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 the craft of broadcasting a live sporting event with everything going on, it, it's an art form into itself. It's, it's really great. When someone's really great at it, it's amazing to listen to them be great at it. Yeah, totally, totally. We should definitely try doing a, a recording for ourselves just for fun um, while a race is being broadcasted live. We should, you know, play the commentators' role. See okay. how that goes. You, I'm, <laughs> Gary, you're selling on this. We are, could start are, a Twitch channel. We could start a Twitch channel. Gary, are you <laughs> are you free this weekend for Suzuka? Like, is that is that what you're telling me here? Like, uh, we could start this uh, this weekend. <laughs> well, I I'll be at the car track, but you know the the race. Uh, I believe what time? What time is the race? It's I, at I the 10 p.m. our time. The time difference when they race, but we we won't be racing here. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And actually, you're at the cart track in Chilliwack, correct? Yes, and you're coming to see me, right? I am definitely coming to see you because I just moved in front of that cart track. Did you really? Wow. Yeah, yeah I can hear them going like all the time. I'm actually. Uh, I'll say that behind the screen, behind the scenes with um with my other with my as a newscaster here at Silver Radio One One Point Seven FM Ninety Two Point Three FM in Chilliwack. Uh, I'm in, hopefully going to be interviewing Aaron Thompson soon, who is the kind of like director and oversider, uh, one of the directors and oversider at the West Coast Kart Club racetrack, the the Greg Moore Raceway uh, yeah, in Chilliwack. He's the yeah, president. yeah. So I'm hopefully going to be talking to him tomorrow um, and oh. uh, having a chat. So I'll I'll have to I'll have to talk about this i'll have to mention that we, we gave him some shout outs here on the pod um and everything so yeah I'm, I'm literally walking to that interview because I'm, I'm i'm like right in front of it so you can swing by gary on the 23rd on uh, my birthday party that i'm having and uh we can uh, watch the race at 10 p.m because that was the one rule i said to my friends so you can come over you can i'm stay. camping there the whole weekend yeah i said you can come over you can stay as long as you want but at 10 p.m i'm watching the japanese grand prix and if you don't want to watch it you can leave <laughs> it was what I, I sent to my friend's group chat of the invite. <laughs> was, that's, that's the only rule. Um, but, okay, so speaking of the Japanese Grand Prix, I always like to end things. I'm going to end things off with a quick wrap-up of what's going to happen in this in this uh, week. So Japanese Grand Prix, Suzuka International Racing Course, a great, great track. It's going to be 53 laps of amazing fun. It is Known for its turn from turns one, so turn sorry turn two to turn seven. It's beautiful S curves that really make this um, well and, and amazing. It's it's a it's got elevation. It's got chicanes. It's got fast hard hard um, hairpins into it, and uh, and and really you know, Gary, you mentioned Spoon it too. Curve. Pardon me. Spoon curve. The yeah, swing curve. Swing, oh yeah. my gosh, there it is. Like turn, turn 11, turn 14 as well. It's a tough one. Uh, sorry, 13 and 14. Yeah, that, that one's a dangerous curve, but um, going great. And, and Gary, you mentioned great the, the atmosphere at Suzuka um, on TV at least. It looks amazing. I, I, hope, I, I hope one day I get to experience it live. That my that. friend was there uh, last year, he's Japanese, and then uh. He told me there is no way you can find accommodation um, near the track, and then uh, most people would be taking hours of train to get to the track, and then they just, uh, you know, set up a little camp and camp there for the whole weekend. Yeah, I. Uh, why else would? There's no other way. It's it's great. 
Oh, it's great. And it's, it's a great one for uh, Super GT2. Um, that yeah. That's a fun track to watch uh, on that one. And, and it's the home of the Honda. I wonder if they will come up with some uh, special livery on the, on the Rebels. Yeah, I'm hoping so too. I really want them to bring back that white that they did, that oh, they always yeah. seem to do. Yeah. Great. The right. The, the, I think one year they did one that was white with like lotus uh, petals on it, and I thought that was, or maybe that was Yuki's helmet. That was a beautiful helmet. Um, He's had some nice ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, it seems that he always gets a really nice helmet, and then he crashes that race, and I don't like that. Y- Yuki, stop it. It's the Spinoza effect. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the Spinoza. All right, so Gary, yeah. let's uh, let's leave some things off with your. What do you think are going to be the top news stories of this week, leading up to the Japanese Grand Prix? Mm, leading to the Japanese Grand Prix, I think Red Bull will be on form at Suzuka. It's a completely different track. Um, it will fit their car, suit their car. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, they would definitely want more wins this season, and uh, hopefully there won't be a boring domination, but there will be some good fights. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too, me too. Yes. Marianne, any thoughts? Let's, let's hope for some Casio triangles, um, uh, a dive bombing at the Casio triangle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully. Uh, a dive bomb. There we go. Yeah. No, I'm just uh, I'm just hoping we see Liam Lawson again. Okay. Me too. Um, I'm hoping. I think we will. I I think we will too. I think he's going to be pushing. I don't. I'm happy. I don't think we're ever going to get another Daniel Ricardo in F1 seat. Woo. Um, we'll see because I think the Liam Lawson shows keep showing up. He's going to take that RB2 seat. He's definitely yeah. staking down his claim yeah. and doing it beautifully. Or crazy thought: Do we want to see him on another team that's not Red Bull? Well, and that's that's the thing. I think after. Um, I think after his performance this year, he's probably going to be approached by more than one team for next year. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. as far as but rookie... There's only one seat left. That's the, uh, the, the downside of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we'll have to save that conversation for a future episode because it's going. We're, we need to wrap up the show here. Yes. So, for listeners, you've been listening to this live. You can always listen to it live first on Civil Radio 101.7 FM in Abbotsford, 92.3 FM across the Fraser Valley. Now testing from Ch- mainly in Chilliwack. Find it on demand on Spotify, the F World Podcast. Just type that in there in that little search bar. You'll find us right away. And of course, you can listen to us live worldwide. Stream. You can stream us live worldwide at CIVL. C-I-V-L dot C-A. I'm Taryn Midzi Midzane. This is Marianne Routier with me here in the studio. Joining us was Gary Kwan from Speedfan X. Gary, thank you so much for joining us here. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our family spa, to our F-World family spa day um, in Belgium next year. So we're going to make this happen. Uh, So for all listeners, if you guys want to make this dream come true and see some live feeds from us there, donate. Reach out. We, we accept e-transfers and our email is thefworld.pod at gmail.com. That's the same handle as our Instagram, thefworld.pod. For all of us here, we have enjoyed our time. Thank you, Gary, again. Stay tuned for The Block with Bryson Warden here on Civil Radio 101.7 FM. And as always, we're yours in racing. <laughs>